Welcome, I'm Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and this is our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving Chesapeake Bay. Today we have Dr. Beth McGee, senior scientist for the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and Beth, welcome back. Thank you. Beth, uh, before we get started, we're going to talk about road salt today. We've uh, had a blizzard recently in the mid-Atlantic, and it's a question we get asked over and over and over. So we want to give our listeners a sense of what are the impacts of, of road salt applied and what might be some alternatives, things like that. But before we do that, uh, give a little bit of your background, where you were and what you were doing before you came to CBF and how long you've been here. Sure. Well, I've been with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation since 2003. Um, I have a PhD from the University of Maryland in environmental science. And right before I came to the Bay Foundation, I was working for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in the Environmental Contaminants Program. That's great. And here at CBF, you're involved in all parts of the watershed. You work in headquarters in the Maryland headquarters office, but you're involved in all aspects of our work both uh, by discipline and by geography. That's right. I do a lot of regional work, um, work closely with the EPA on the Chesapeake Bay um, blueprint. Um, what I like to tell folks is I pretty much cover everything that's not fisheries. That's in Bill Goldsboro's shop, but uh, all other sort of environmental uh, issues tend to roll into my court. Well, I, I can tell our listeners uh, from the perspective of a staff member, Beth is invaluable. Whenever we have a uh, scientific question, uh, she's the one we turn to and always uh, gives us good and complete answers with a smile and uh, with a thoroughness that we've come to expect. So th thanks for all you do, Beth. Thank you. Okay, so tell us about road salt and what do we have uh, to worry about? What do we not have to worry about? And uh, how do you answer the telephone call which comes in at this time or the, the question when you're doing a, a, a presentation? What's the impact of road salt on the bay? And remember, you know, when we say the bay, we mean all the freshwater rivers and streams that are part of the watershed, not just the salty part of the main stem. Right, right. You're right. This time of year, we get lots of questions about people see, you know, salt trucks out there and is all that ending up in our streams in the bay? Sort of good news and bad news, I guess. So um, road salt, what they typically use is something, either sodium chloride, that's the chemical formula for salt, or calcium chloride. And there's some other formulas, and I'll talk a little bit more about them when we talk about alternatives. But the chloride itself um, can move from the land into our waterways. Um, the good news is that in saltwater systems or brackish systems such as we have in the Chesapeake Bay, Chloride's not a problem. We have high levels of chloride because it is a salty system. It's variable across the year, so the animals that live in the bay are very uh, tolerant of those changes. On the flip side, in freshwater streams, you know, we have a 64,000 square mile watershed. Freshwater streams, chloride is a problem. There was a study that came out a couple of years ago focused in, in Baltimore County, but I think we can extrapolate the results throughout the watershed in, in Pennsylvania and elsewhere where they have shown that chloride levels have increased over the last 25 years in streams. Measurably so. Measurably so. Um, related, they believe, to the use of, of road salt. Um, and probably more alarming is that they're finding elevated concentrations throughout the year, not just during the winter when we're using road salt. And there are times when they actually find concentrations that can be toxic to aquatic animals. Hmm. Uh, now, in the main stem of the bay, or in the brackish sections, 
and in our developed areas in some of the big cities, Richmond, Norfolk, Baltimore, Harrisburg, Washington, they have a tough time uh, with where to put all the snow that is collected off the streets. And um, we've heard all heard stories about dumping the snow. Last year with Boston being having so much snow, we heard stories about dumping into Boston Harbor. Are there instances where the collected snow and all the road salt and other chemicals and constituents that, that are associated with what comes off the road dump directly into the harbors or streams? Well, again, if you think about just the salt itself, probably not a problem if they're dumping it into a salty water body. But there is other stuff in, in road. You know, there's oil and grease dripping from our cars. There's things that come off your, your brake linings, et cetera. But I guess, um, you know, when I think about this, I think it's important to keep in mind when we have a rain event in this area, we have precipitation. Let's say there's one inch of rain to every 10 inches of snow. So we've just had the equivalent of somewhere between two or three inches of rain or precipitation. Usually, if it's rain, that runs off immediately fast, you know, into our storm drains and, and into our receiving waters. And when we have snow events, it's a little bit slower. It takes a long time for the snow to melt. Um, even if they're stockpiling it somewhere, it takes um, it a long time to we'll eventually, you know, make its way back into our waterways and allow, and oftentimes there's a, we are allowing it to infiltrate. Um, but in terms of direct dumping, you know, I don't think it's a great idea, but I'm hard-pressed to argue that it's any worse than what happens during when it's actually raining. But putting it on a, an open area somewhere that has a porous surface, a, some sort of field or other areas where it can infiltrate when it does uh, melt certainly would be more desirable just the way we try to get stormwater, rainwater, filtering through natural vegetated swales That's and things right. like yep, that. Absolutely. Yep. We have any sort of sense of just what are the quantities of salt that are used on, on an annual basis? Um, the numbers I've read um, are around 2.5 million tons per year, so that's um, quite a lot. I, obviously, it's going to vary depending on how much snow we get throughout the region. I've heard that figure, too, and I think that comes from the Center for Watershed Protection. It's a very well-respected organization that works in our region. So, especially in the freshwater sections of the watershed, trout streams, things like that, even some of the urban streams that are freshwater it's definitely not a good idea. Main stem of the bay, there's, you know, it, it's it's probably not doing any great harm. We just as soon not have it happen, but but can't can't say this is any kind of a smoking gun. Right. But but believing that minimizing the amount of salt used, are, are there any alternatives? There are some alternatives, and they're very expensive. So, um, you know, when you're a state highway administration and you're looking at putting thousands of tons or pounds of salt down, you know, that's the cost is obviously important. So I think the best thing that agencies can do is to try to minimize the amount that they use, try to store it in ways um, where it's not susceptible to runoff. Um, the, something that the Highway Administration does now is they do that, that treatment before, the pretreatment, the brining, actually is a way that they're minimizing the amount that they would actually do during a storm. So brine, this is it's a liquid salt, and I know they did it before this storm because I could see that the day I drove home before the storm hit, there was sort of a, you know, a layer of powdery, what looked like powdery material on the highways, and that's reflecting the fact that they're spraying a liquid salt down so that as the snow hits, it's melting more immediately rather than going back after the snow is hit and then having to hit it with salt. And that's a salt, a salt um, substance as well, but 
if you use that as sort of a pretreatment, that should minimize or reduce the amount of overall total salt needed during a storm. That's right. That's right. From the homeowner's perspective, um, you know, if you are not using that much salt, you can maybe buy more expensive varieties. And something to look for is something called CMA, CMA, excuse me, calcium magnesium acetate. Calcium magnesium acetate. So no chloride. The key is no chloride in that. It will be more expensive, but um, but the amount that you put down, you can you minimize that. And if you're just a homeowner, the other thing a homeowner can do is just put sand down. Um, you know, we do it often just for traction. It's sand's not going to melt the snow, but it will give you, you know, more traction. And in fact, in the Northwest, there's a lot of areas that don't use much salt at all. They actually just do sand on their highways and things too. And, and is the old adage, um, if a little bit is good, a lot isn't necessarily better. True in this respect. That's, that's very true. I think um, we need to be more judicious, and I think you know, adding more salt out there is not necessarily going to. Um, clear up your sidewalks. Probably the best thing you can do to clear up your sidewalks is get out there with a little shovel and view it as like I do as a way to get some exercise. So the less let, use as little salt on your sidewalks and your uh, walkways as possible. And is there any impact on vegetation? There is. I think you know you think about plants like animals are are need to be within a narrow range of of water, and so often you'll see the vegetation along the the roadways, for example, that have been hit with salt might look like they're dying, so clearly it's not um, uh, the, not good for them. And the reason why vegetation is important is because they are really good filters for pollutants coming off our roadways. Um, and so if they're, they're dying or sick, they're not going to do a very good job of that filtering capacity that we need vegetation to do. Once again, uh, another lesson, the natural filters that we've had here in the Chesapeake Bay system are so important to water quality. And when we do things to damage the natural filters, we shouldn't be surprised that water quality is damaged as well. Whether it's in the winter with vegetation being impacted by road salt, or whether it's in the summer with uh, improper development practices hurting vegetation, filling wetlands, uh, destroying underwater grasses, things like that. All of these are the natural filters which help the bay. Do, do we do we have any data? Um, any have we seen any trends as to whether our government folks are listening and understanding that this might be a problem, or are salt levels going up or down, or people using less? Uh, I mean, over the long term, we've seen increases. I think, like I said, over the last twenty five years, we've seen an increase in use. But I know even just anecdotally what what I've heard in Maryland, I think they get a lot of questions. State Highway gets a lot of questions this time of year. I'm sure similar in Virginia and Pennsylvania to about questions about the salt. So I think the public is more aware. Uh, and so I think as a result of that, our state agencies are being more responsive and trying to do a better job of, of managing the salt that they use. You know, the, the trick is it's it's a public health concern. It's a public safety concern. So we certainly can't say, you know, don't use it if people are, are going to be getting into car accidents. But um, we need to try to be, I think, more thoughtful. Well, I guess it's like we believe and, and preach and, and uh, hear from our scientists all the time. It's a question of balance. Using uh, what is needed in terms of a chemical for the human benefits, the benefits for any number of reasons, but not too much to damage the system. And that's where good science can play a part in, in teaching us what to do. 
before we finish up, uh, one other uh, thing I've heard. Are, are there any additives uh, to the salt that's used on roads that may increase their efficiency, which could be a problem? There are some impurities. Um, so there's actually things like nitrogen, phosphorus, which we know are bad for the bay um, in, in rock salt. So that's sodium chloride. Um, for a while, cyanide was actually added as an anti-caking agent. Um, cyanide. Cyanide, which folks probably know is very toxic, also. So, so there are those are other things to look out for when you're when you're shopping, at least for at home, to to find ones that don't have all these you know sort of either additives or just just um, impurities in them. Well, Dr. Beth McGee, uh, thank you very much. It's been great talking to you. Uh, very good to understand that road salt is something we should be concerned about, especially in areas with freshwater streams. It's uh, got to have a huge impact on natural brook trout, uh, which is one species that we all love. But in terms of downstream into the main bay where it's already salty or brackish, it might not be something we have to worry greatly about. So for Dr. Beth McGee, this is Will Baker. Our podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving Chesapeake Bay. And please be sure to um, sign in to our website, cbf.org, to access past podcasts or to access a wealth of information about the Chesapeake Bay, the rivers and streams, and our organization, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Thank you all.